we'd like to welcome everybody to our Mothers Who Know Stay by the Tree Messages of Hope live webinar series. Wow, that's a mouthful. And I practiced saying that like four times this morning. But anyway, we're, we're so excited that y'all are here. Before we get started, I'm just going to introduce you to who we are. This series is sponsored by Life Changing Services. And Life Changing Services is a mental health counseling center for youth and adults. All of our therapists are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and we work to combine scientific principles with gospel-centered training. We have lots of different programs that we offer, but I'm just going to mention a couple of them just because we know that sometimes it's hard for moms to find help for their youth and to find therapists and counselors that they trust. So two of the main programs that we offer, one is called Sons of Helaman, and this is for young men who may be struggling with pornography challenges. In this day and age, especially when our kids are online and they've got their phones and everything's just right in front of them, we found that that can be a challenge for a lot of families. So we offer a Sons of Helaman program that teaches gospel-centered training, but also has groups run by licensed therapists, and they learn specific tools and drills to help them. We also offer a program called Daughters of Light, and this is for young women who may be struggling with anxiety, depression, or who also are having just some behavioral concerns. Often when our young women are struggling with anxiety and depression, what happens is they act out behaviorally, and as moms, we notice that you know, maybe they're in their room more or they're pushing people away or they're doing things that we think, oh, that's just not normal for them. And we just feel like something's not quite right. And maybe we just can't figure out what that is. So we offer a program called Daughters of Light to help these young women. And again, this is also run by a licensed therapist. Within Life Changing Services, we also have a group called Mothers Who Know, and that is who a lot of us are today. It is a free program for all mothers, whether you're using life-changing services programs or you're not. This is just open for all moms to gain connection, support, and training. And we are just here to help you. We get that life is rough. We get that we all have things going on in our homes. And sometimes it's hard to talk to other people about it. This is a safe place where we know that everybody here is struggling with something and we all get it. That's why we're called Mothers Who Know, we get it. So if you're interested or have questions about any of those, you can visit us at lifechangingservices.org to find out about all of the different programs we offer for family members. You can check us out at motherswhoknow.org. And then also I'm gonna tell you in a minute a little bit about our Mom Power Training program, which is at mompowertraining.org. But also for the recording, I wanna make sure I get our phone number online. It's 877-437-6877. If you have any questions, we have some amazing ladies that answer the phone and can help you with anything that you may need. As we're here, we thought that we would tell you a little bit about what this phrase stay by the tree means because we call our series stay by the tree and messages of hope. And we thought some of us are new here so we ought to tell you what that means. So as mothers, we understand the worry and fear that we can feel hoping to make sure that our loved ones find the savior. The name of this webinar series, Stay by the Tree, comes from the scriptural account in the Book of Mormon from 1 Nephi chapter 8 of a beloved parent and prophet, Lehi, and it's commonly called the Tree of Life Vision. This vision beautifully depicts that the best place for us to stand while beckoning to loved ones on our journey is right next to the Savior. 
You'll notice in this vision that Lehi beckons, invites, speaks with all the feelings of a tender parent, and sometimes even calls out in a loud voice to his family members, but he never leaves the tree. He never forces others to him. He just invites. Standing safely by the Savior and partaking of the fruits he generously extends is the best place for us to feel peace and hope, even in the middle of hard. And that's why as mothers who know, we have taken on that phrase, stay by the tree, and we use it often. So you'll, you'll hear that quite a bit. As part of Mothers Who Know, we do offer a free training. It's called Mom Power Training. And this is just a free eight-week self-guided online training. We do have weekly live mini lessons that are on Zoom. If you have questions or you just want to come and visit with other moms or get extra support or ask, you know, just get things clarified. So you can go to mompowertraining.org. And our new session starts April 13th, but all that means is that our live mini lessons start over with the first one. You're welcome to join anytime. You can take it at your own pace. All of the recordings, videos, resources, everything is right there once you register. So some of the things about Mom Power Training, it will help increase your peace and spiritual routines, help you build stronger bonds in your family relationships, increase your ability to center your life in Christ, fortify your divine identity and purpose, empower you to recognize and defeat the tactics of the adversary, increase your faith community and group support system with like-minded women, and most of all, stand with peace and courage in any storm. So if that's something that you're interested, again, it's free. There's no strings attached. We really have just found that this is a training that will help all moms, and we really want to be a support to you. So that's at mompowertraining.org. Moving on, I know y'all didn't come today to listen to me. Y'all came to hear Brooke. So our message of hope today is by Brooke Romney. And the title of it, by the way, I'm going to introduce her book in a minute, but you'll notice it's exactly the same as her book. It's called I Like Me Anyway, Embracing Imperfection, Connection, and Christ. And I'm going to read you a little bio about Brooke, but I'm sure that she's going to give you a little bit more information. Brooke Romney is a writer, speaker, and educator. She's been published in the Washington Post, the Deseret News, Scary Mommy, and a host of other online publications where her pieces have been read millions of times. She writes avidly on her blog and Instagram page where she has created a large, vibrant community of learning and growth. She's currently on the Time Out for Women Speaking Circuit and is a sought-after podcast and TV guest where she touches audiences and her message of worth, empowerment, with her message of worth, empowerment, and connection. We are incredibly excited to have Brooke here today. For those that are live, I'm showing a picture of her awesome family with her husband and her four boys, and I'm sure she'll tell you a little bit more about them. And then I do want to make sure to just let you know about her book. Again, it's called I Like Me Anyway, Embracing Imperfection, Connection, and Christ. It was first published in October of 2020, so it's just newly out, and it has helped thousands of women find peace and purpose. You can find her book on Amazon and Audible, and it soon is going to be at Deseret Book. And you can check out her website at brookromney.com. And for those listening, Brooke has an E on the end of her name. So when you spell it, just make sure you stick that E in there for Brooke Romney. And if you'd like to follow her, you can follow her on Facebook and Instagram at Brooke Romney Writes. So I'm just going to turn the time over to Karen and Brooke and let them do a little bit more specific intros with you all and give you all the information and 
you guys can listen to them because that's what you're here for. Thank you so much, April. Welcome. I'm so happy you're here this morning. I'm Karen Broadhead. I am the founder and director of Mothers Who Know and the parent support specialist for life-changing services. And we are just so thrilled to be sponsoring this Stay by the Tree series and so grateful that you would take your time this morning to be with us. And if you weren't able to come live, thank you for listening. We're so glad to have you here. I personally am a mom who understands just how stretchy things can get in this special calling that we have as a mother. And it has become my mission to just connect and support and train women in a very safe and generous way and a Christ-centered way because he is the only way and we support his work. And it's so wonderful to know that we get to be the mother in this special role, but we don't get to be the savior our children have one savior. And so that's just been so wonderful to share that testimony. And so many thousands of women have come and just to learn more and to take the training that we have or check out our mama trauma. Now what book? I just want you to, to know how much we appreciate all of your efforts, not just to be here, but just the hard work you put into being a mom. So before we get started, I just personally want to invite you to come and link arms with us and check out the things that we offer that can be such a great strength to you in your family and especially in your heart and in your mind personally. And you can find out more about us by just going to mothershoknow.org. Oh, so this morning, Brooke, good morning. Let's hear your beautiful voice. Hello, how are you? Thanks so much for having me. Oh, we are so excited. I have to tell you, sisters, how much I just adored Brooke's book. I went to take care of my grandchildren. I'm located in Utah. I went to care for my grandkids so that my daughter and her husband could have a date. And so on the plane there and on the plane back, I, yeah, I just read your book and I audio listened to it and went through and looked at all the words while, while you were reading it to me. Anyway, I just am so grateful because you're so generously real. Thank you. (laughs) I decided a long time ago that pretending to be someone that I wasn't just didn't work all that well for me. So I've just started to embrace who I am and all the parts of it and all the parts of my family and I've seen so much love and growth and connection because of that. So, Oh, so good. That's an incredible way and kind of a hard way for women to care for themselves, to just accept what is the name of your book. I like me anyway. One of the places I felt impressed to start just before our meeting, I knew this is where we needed to start. If you're familiar with Brooke's book, the prologue, I think is so beautiful. And she refers back to it throughout the book. It's the woman with the issue of blood. And one of the things she says, oh, that most likely this issue of blood was her menstrual bleeding. And it was unpredictable 
or unstoppable, rendering her stuck in a life she never planned for, hoped for, or wanted because of something completely out of her control. And I just thought, really, we all experience that on a daily basis. We are trying to navigate things that are out of our control that cause a lot of strong feelings because we care so deeply. Would you mind just telling us in your own words a little bit about why you chose that woman to start your book and refer back to her situation? It's so beautiful. Yeah. Just as I was reading about the woman with the issue of blood, I just couldn't help but parallel her life to so many of ours because very few of us are living the life we planned for or even the one we dreamed about, whether for good or for bad. And I just thought so much. Hers was so extreme. She was ostracized. She was alone. She was judged and nothing. She had no control over any of those things. And um, when I read about her story in Matthew, literally the words within herself jumped out at me, jumped right off the page because she knew, she said within herself, if I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. And I just started thinking, how in the world would this woman who had been pushed away from society, who had been looking for cures for 12 years, who had people she loved and those she didn't love judging her and looking down on her and having to pity her so that she could even sustain life. How in the world did she have that courage and that testimony inside of her that she was still loved and wanted by the savior and that he could heal her? Like if anyone had an excuse to not go and find him or to not come to him, I felt like she had a really valid excuse, but somehow there was something that she knew, whether she'd been taught it as a young child, whether she'd spent all that time alone reading her scriptures and learning about him. We're not sure why she felt that way, but she did. And it was inside of her. And I just thought from so many of the women that I talked to, from so many of the young women that I teach, just even from so many of the men that if we all knew inside of ourselves that regardless of our situation, we were worthy of the Savior's love and healing and forgiveness, how might that change who we are and the way we present ourselves in the world and the way we live our life? And so it was just such a powerful story and example to me. And I guess I just wanted to dig in and just maybe pretend like I knew the things that she might have known, what it would have taken for her to be able to show up on that day through the crowd when everyone was looking at her, when everyone knew she didn't belong and say, here I am, I'm ready. I'm ready for you. Wow. And then Brooke goes through and each one of her very generously real chapters are about certain things that we all face. But I have to just read you two little paragraphs from that section of the book. It says, um, referring to the woman with the issue of blood, she created her own holy mantra, one that kept her moving forward, even when the world built walls around her. There was a fire inside her, a light that would not be extinguished. Oh boy. She bravely walked down the congested streets, intently fought her way through the crushing crowd and humbly crawled those last few lonely feet so that she could have her moment with Jesus. And then it goes on to say this, it says, she must have been a woman who embraced imperfection and the unexpected who consistently connected herself to what was most important 
and who had the courage to reach for Jesus and invite him into her story. She was a woman who experienced the impossible because deep down, she knew something important, something true within herself. And I guess that would be my first question to you personally, Brooke, is what did you know? What would you say? These are some things that I know within myself in the circumstances that I really have no control over. Would you share maybe one hard thing and what you know? Sure. Well, I'm probably like a lot of you. And when I had young kids, I just thought that I could create exactly the family and the experience that I wanted to create. And I remember, you know, harshly judging parents of older children and especially of teenagers. And I remember being like in the youth organizations and thinking, well, yeah, of course your kid's struggling. You don't ever make him come to young women's, you know, or whatever. And I just had all these ideas of things that I would be able to control and create in my own home. And then I had my oldest child turned 13 and things really changed. And I realized how difficult parenting can be and sometimes how little choice a parent has. And it took a lot of ups and downs and principal's offices and nights on my knees and staying outside of his bedroom to make sure that he was okay. It took a lot. And I realized that if I let all of my children's choices affect who I knew I was, then I would be a very miserable parent that would be no good to my children. If I took every choice they made and every decision they made personally and made it attack on myself and my character and my abilities, then I would not be able to be effective for them. And so this is still a work in progress. But understanding that my desires and my efforts and my willingness and my faith is not subtracted by their actions has really changed a lot for me, realizing that they have their own path, they have their own testimonies, they have their own agency, that I'm here to guide and help and love. But in the end, those choices and and those consequences are unfortunately theirs. And I don't give up. I don't stop, but I've stopped having my worth be dependent on their grades or if the neighbors think they're the ideal, you know, priest or if they're blessing the sacrament or if they're excelling on their sports teams, you know, those things are not where I get my worth. And it's also not where I get my children's worth. And so that comes from something that is, you can see on the outside. Yeah, so good. Brooke, one of the things that I just feel to ask you, because I think that is the best thing ever, but what do you do with all of your feelings that you have that as you are watching them and you're thinking, that's not the smartest little path for you to go on, you know? And <laughs> and we kind of have this little, like, I thought maybe you knew that this was a safer path. Or I don't, I'm not sure why you're doing that, but anyway, they're just navigating. But what do you do to care for your feelings so that you can feel the way you just described and not have what they're doing affect 
your your worth and your identity as a woman who can be available in an effective way? How do you care for your feelings so that you can do that? Well, there's definitely been harder times of doing that. There's been prayers and tears. And I remember one time somebody telling me I looked so thin and I thought, yeah, it's because my stomach hurts every single day. (laughs) I literally cannot eat because I feel sick every single day when I wake up and every single day when I go to bed. So I'm not going to pretend that there weren't and probably still will be really difficult moments in my life. And those feelings don't go away. And sometimes it's just pressing forward. What I've found is effective is having things that give me worth and value outside of my children, whether that be something that I love, a hobby, a habit, volunteering uh, in the schools, finding like a path and a purpose that isn't directly connected to motherhood has been helpful. Other things, I do have a really awesome husband that helps me have perspective. He actually went through some difficult things in his family, and I've noticed that he was much more calm about, you know, people make choices and to see those people come out on the other side and be okay is awesome. I talked to a lot of people who struggled with kids when they were teenagers and who now have functioning, awesome, healthy, happy adults. And that was really exciting and something that you would look forward to that this is probably like a a certain, you know, little snapshot in our life, not what it was going to be forever. But I also had a friend who was so real with me. And she said, to be honest, the one that I worry about as a, you know, as a young kid, as a teenager, he's married, he's doing awesome. And I still worry about him every single day. And that was one of those, okay, this is okay. Other people go through this. Other people thrive with these difficult situations. And so that was something that brought me a lot of hope. Another thing I hear a lot from women who are going through difficult things is I, I wanted somebody to talk to, but this isn't my story to tell. And I actually don't agree with that because it is as much your story as it is theirs. And sometimes the consequences of poor actions is that other people have to know about them in order for the person who is like the life saver to be getting the help and love that they need. And I definitely think it's not something that you post about all over social media or just trust with any person, but to make sure that you have people that you can turn to, that you can talk to, that you can feel support and love from difficult times, no matter what they are, whether it's divorce or financial struggles or child struggling, whatever it is, those are not things that Heavenly Father ever expected us to go through all by ourselves. And so being willing to open up and turn to someone that you know you can trust I think is crucial and, you know, it's it's a lifeline truly when you're in those places. Yeah. Connection is full of wisdom. If you can connect to just one woman or many women, or even just privately to a group of women where you don't do any sharing, you're just listening. So much healing can happen just to feel connected and know that you're not alone. And there are some answers there and you can hear other women and their situation and their stories. It's incredible what connection can do to a woman's perspective. Because especially, I just appreciate you so much saying that that's not your favorite belief is to think that because someone has something hard, I literally can't share. So I will isolate and get kind of sick inside about me and about this. And the adversary just totally loves 
that place for moms to get them all confused, mixed up, and in so much pain. So oh, I'm so glad you said that. You're so smart. So good. Brooke, one of the things you shared that was a situation you shared in your book that I want to make sure that we hit on, would you share your experience with your boy who, when he was coming to scriptures and just kind of the principle behind that and what you've learned and how sure. that's helped since you adjusted yeah. your thinking around that. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. So like many of you, we were trying to have scripture study and I had one child in particular that wasn't super interested in scripture study. We were doing it in the morning before school and he liked sleeping and wasn't interested in joining us. And so for the most part, he didn't come. We would always wake him up. We would always invite him and he would always sleep until the last minute so that he only had time to throw clothes on and get to school. A handful of times he would make it for scripture study. And when he did that, we like probably all of you, you're trying to emphasize good and positive behavior. So we would be really happy he was there. And you're like, Oh, you know, thanks so much for coming to scripture study. And you know, I noticed that my husband was like a little less on edge with him and a little more open with him and just kind of happy that he'd been there. And we just wanted to positively reinforce how great it was to have him join us for scripture study. And a little while later, maybe a couple of months later, he'd come to scripture study, probably on accident. Usually it was like on accident, like he thought he needed to be at school and he didn't. And he came to me and he said, Hey, I feel on the days I come to scripture study, I feel like you guys love me more. And that really, really hit me because we weren't doing anything wrong. We were trying to emphasize good and right things, but because of where he was at at the moment, all that made him say was my parents love me when I follow rules and read scriptures. Um, that's how his mind saw that. And so I came to my husband and I just said, Hey, this is what he said. We've got to change because I know that Jesus didn't love the people more that came to scripture study or believed like he did or followed all of his commandments. He showed incredible amounts of love, no matter what the situation was. And so right then we just decided that our love would not be conditional on people following the rules of the church or following even what we thought the ideal was. And we wanted to make sure that our kids felt loved, whether they wanted to be at church, whether they wanted to go to young men's, whether they wanted to come to scripture study, because I truly feel like love is what keeps your kids anchored to you, regardless of the situation that they're going through. And it's easy to put a formula on something. It's easy to say, well, if you start reading the scriptures, then your life will turn around. And we've heard that a lot. And that sometimes just isn't true. Sometimes when you're reading the scriptures, your life doesn't turn around. And you know, I've heard the same thing from my kids at different stages of their life where it's like, hey, I'm doing everything right. My life's crap. So how do you reconcile that? And so really helping them understand that these habits, these holy habits get us closer to our Savior so that when things are difficult, we have the spiritual strength and the perspective to get through those difficult times and to still feel tied to our savior, to still feel tied to our family. But sometimes our kids aren't quite ready for that. Sometimes they just see it as A plus B equals C. Family scripture study and you know, coming to family prayer equals my parents loving me. And I just never wanted my kids to feel that way ever again. Mm, that's so good. 
I'm definitely one of those moms that's guilty of thinking, well, now because my heart hurts and because I'm sad, I'll just withdraw a little bit. You know, I'll withhold my more friendly nature or my more accepting spirit that I have about me because, yeah, that is such a wonderful thing that you shared. The other thing that you shared in your book that is along these lines that I make, want to make sure we hit is it's a given that our kids are going to do things that cause us disappointment that are super difficult for them. And there's a part in your book was just, this is what I came up with to go to my son who had kind of a personality that was a little more like my performance kind of equals my worth. Yeah. Tell us about sure. that. So okay. I have one son who for a long time, just wanted to be perfect. He just wanted to do all the right things all the time. And I could tell that his, you know, it's interesting how every personality trait can be a challenge, right? Like one who doesn't want to do the right thing, that's challenging, but one who always thinks they have to do the right thing, it's also a challenge. And so I noticed one time he kind of got in a little bit of trouble for something and he tried to get out of it and pretend like it wasn't him. And then just completely broke down at the idea of his perfect, you know, facade being broken. And that really hurt my heart because I know that, you know, like a rebellious spirit and a perfectionist spirit, neither one of those are better than the other. Both of those can be really damaging to who we are on the inside and even to our progress. And so one night I just sat down with him and after that happened, and I just said, you know what, I know that you're going to make mistakes. You are going to, because you're human and we're all going to make mistakes. And there are going to be times when you do things you're not proud of and things you want to say, you need to say sorry for. You're going to see a picture that you shouldn't see and you're going to like it. And you are going to know that you're supposed to include someone and you're going to be a jerk. And here's the thing is that we love you anyway. We love you even when you do all those things and when you make all those mistakes and your heavenly father loves you anyway. And this is part of being alive is making mistakes and figuring out how to say sorry for those and recover from those and become better because of those. And you don't have to hide who you are because secrets are the things that make us miserable. And so when you do things that you're not proud of, own it, own it, say sorry, put it into the light and then start working past that. And I just really wanted him to know that nothing he could ever do would change our love for him nor would it change God's love for him or our desires, both mine and God's for him to get back on the path and to find that hope and happiness. I think that perfectionism, whether it's for children or for women is just so stifling in our progress. And if we can figure out how to embrace our weaknesses and not see them as things that need to be hidden, then we can start working through them and start using our strengths to help those to help improve those weaknesses. I think a lot of times we have, we feel like, and our children feel like we have to hide. We have to hide if we don't do well. We have to cheat if we haven't studied for a test. We have to make excuses if we've done something wrong. And I wanted him to know that like we are absolutely positively prepared for mistakes to happen from our children. And that in no way, shape or form have we ever thought that, well, I'm lying. I did think my kids would be perfect before we started, but now there is no way that I think that anyone is going to get through unscathed or with making all of the right choices. And sometimes those are really 
interestingly wrong where, you know, maybe it looked right, but it's not right. And sometimes those are big things that glare in everyone's face and everyone knows they were wrong. And so really just like having our kids and ourselves get to know who we are and realize that our heavenly father has given us weaknesses so that we can come to him and turn to him is a really beautiful concept for me instead of our weaknesses being things that we have to push under the rug or pretend like we don't have. Um, Those are gifts from him. And as we turn to him and work through them, I think we become more refined people um, with deeper character and greater love for others. That's so beautiful. It's like, I was just pondering this morning, Ether 12, 27, and thought of that part. If men come unto me, I will show them your weakness. And what if you are literally showing us, I'm going to show you your weakness so that you can also witness or become um, aware of the fact that it's this very weakness that I've given to you that's going to help you be strong because it's the weakness you carry so that you can find me. Absolutely. It uh, will make you more like me. Yeah. Well, and because the other part of that scripture is I give men their weaknesses and it's not something that Satan gave us. It's not something that we, you know, earned because we were awful people. God gave us our weaknesses. And if he did that, it's for his purpose. And so we have to see those as his purpose. Our weaknesses are part of his purpose. And whether those are to come to him or to connect with others or to refine our spirits, you know, all of those things are true and we don't have to be so scared of them. It's like saying, instead of, I'm going to hide this in a dark corner, it's like being more courageous in the fact that I'm seeing myself in my weakness because I'm coming to know who God is for me, with me. So wonderful. I think our weaknesses, when we're comfortable sharing those, they really open up connection with other women. And I just have a funny story from just recently. I spoke at a, a stake women's meeting the other night and these women were awesome, but I came, obviously I was prepared because I'd been asked to speak. I was dressed nicely because we were in the chapel and I had my makeup on and my hair done. And then I had these I had brought a couple books for some women who had asked me to bring them for them. And so they came out to my car and I drive a minivan and I opened up my car door and my van was a disaster. And it always is. I'm not saying this was like a rare occasion, but it was a disaster. And I grabbed the box of books and I like started passing them out. And one of the women, women said, I am so grateful that your car is a mess. That makes me feel so much better about myself. And makes me feel like you're a real person because obviously I was very prepared for this meeting. And I just, her words just rang in my ears because we all need to know that each other are real people. I could have taken that box of books and brought it in and made sure nobody saw my messy van, or I could have opened my door and thought, oh my word, I cannot, I cannot show these people this and hid my door and grab the books quickly. But when we show who we are, like our whole selves and stop being embarrassed or concerned or ashamed of those, I think it gives other people the permission to do the same. Maybe a messy car isn't where you show, you know, your humanity, but maybe it is, you know, with a different kind of weakness. And so doing, allowing people to see our whole selves really allows true connection to form. And that's so healing. 
Well, one of the things, the people that maybe aren't familiar with your book yet because they haven't read it, I also loved that you are really just real about you and your own, like having a faith crisis and how that experience for you. I just thought that's so beautiful that you also shared. This was my weakness. This was my heart several times in the book. Would you mind just sharing that one and what you learned from that? So beautiful. Yeah. So I felt like growing up, I was never the one that the young women's leaders needed to reach out to. I just, I believed I did the right thing. I followed the path. I felt, you know, it's interesting because when I did the right thing, I felt good. And I know that's not true for everyone, but because it was true for me, I continued to do good things. And I continued to follow the commandments and the gospel. And I had quite a few like interesting experiences that maybe didn't go so well along the way, but I had never felt like a a crisis of faith until a few years ago. And there were some really intelligent people that I respected a lot who had pulled away from the church and started just exploring the, the problems with the church, both in history and today. And I started just paying attention because I like these people and they're intelligent and I'm very interested in different ways of thinking and just having an open mind. The problem during that time was my mind was so open to their way of thinking and it started to become closed to the faith that I already had. And so I was consistently feeding my doubts. I was, you know, listening to things that would feed my doubts. I was reading things that would feed my doubts and I was abandoning the things that would build my faith. And you know, you can read more about the whole process in the book, but I was really distant from my own choices and also just because I had pulled away. And so I was, I remember being really frustrated with God. And I remember thinking that how come you're giving everyone else these testimonies? Why are you making everyone else feel so good and loved and happy in your gospel? And I feel frustrated and mad and distant in it. And one day I was, I had continued to do all the things I'd done my whole life just because they were habits. And I was teaching the boys and girls in the eight-year-old class. And we were teaching about, this was during the time we were studying the New Testament. And right then I couldn't help but feel the spirit as I taught of Jesus's love and acceptance for everyone. And right away, I was thinking, you know, why can't it all be this simple um, for me anymore? And I heard a faint, you know, nudging from the spirit that said, why can't it? Why can't it be this simple? And from there, I kind of rebuilt my testimony. I started on the things that I knew on the very basics of the gospel. And then I was able to build on those. And I realized looking back and my faith and my testimony had been built on things that they're not supposed to be built on. And I needed to start with the center. I needed to start with Jesus Christ because the scripture in Helaman 5.12 talks about being built on a rock, which is a sure foundation, which is Jesus Christ because he cannot fail. Everything else can fail us. We might have our testimony built on young women's or built on service or built on history. And those things can fail, but Jesus Christ never can. And as I started to rebuild my testimony on Christ, I was able to realize all the goodness that came from the gospel and the love my heavenly father had for me and the different ways that he continued to fight for me, even when my faith was weak. 
what are some of the specific things you did that helped you to build upon the Savior? Because we all know how to do church lady things, right? Yeah. But what's something you did different that helped you to focus there and grow that, that was something you hadn't done? I think for the first time, I really focused on the Savior as the building blocks to my testimony. I, through the New Testament, I got to know him and his teachings and his example. If you've watched The Chosen, seeing him as human and those he loved as human, it was really powerful to me. And as I thought about my daily actions, how I would treat my family members, how I would treat others, I started to really, you know, it sounds trite, but in my mind, it was, how would Jesus treat them? What would Jesus do? And it really shifted things for me because I stopped with so many of like the pharisaical boxes that seemed so important. Another thing that has really helped me just in my parenting journey and feeling that worth is about understanding that I am not the judge. I don't have to be the judge ever. And so shifting that need to judge and put people in the right boxes and have them check off the right lists, I kind of just gave that up. And instead, I realized that my job was to love. And I am so grateful that I have a God I have full faith in, that he will be both a merciful and a justice God. And so instead of worrying about, you know, what my young women were wearing, or if my son was, you know, reading his scriptures every night, any of those things, I just realized that my role right now was to love people as Jesus did. And sometimes that does mean correcting putting boundaries up, helping to solve a problem when someone is willing. But most often it was about helping them feel his love through me and then letting them come to conclusions and back to a certain place when they were ready. Yeah. You tell a story about a young man who I can't remember if he's in your ward or a friend's ward, but it was a young man who we do this so often, right off of what you said, we kind of put everybody in boxes and we put success in a box. Like here's a Latter-day Saint journey of success. First we do this and then we do that. And then we do that. And then if we miss a step, oh, wow, that's just going to just blow the whole story. And we can feel so, so embarrassed and ashamed, or we can feel just so much pain because we did make it about the boxes. Like, Hey, I checked all the boxes. Why aren't we getting all these blessings? Or, hey, you're missing a box. If you miss that box, then your journey will be a fail for sure. So that story of that young man who came home early from his mission, tell us a little bit more about that. It was actually my friend's son. And she told me this story and it was so powerful. She actually told me the story when we were going through some kind of difficult times and could have really probably been had judgment and, you know, people whispering and all those things, which everyone goes through with different kids and different situations. And her son had come home early from his mission and she was pretty embarrassed. This was quite a few years ago, I think when it was a little more, if you went on a mission, most people finish their mission. And she was really embarrassed and devastated and a lot of the people in her neighborhood and in her ward, she knew were talking about him and talking about their family. And she tried to be strong for her son, but she was really devastated and spent a lot of time alone in her room and just trying to figure out how to get through this time. 
And about a week after he came home, he told his mom, he said, Hey, I want to go to the high school football game tonight. I want to go see how they're doing. And she looked at him and she said, you cannot go. Oh, he asked if they wanted to come with, with him. And she said, you can't go. Like, we cannot go to that knowing that most of the city would be there and see him walk in. And, and he said to his mom, and this was really powerful to me. And it's something that I'll always remember. He said, mom, I'm working things out with the Lord. If anyone has a problem with me, they can work them out with him too. And right then it was one of those manifestations of that's what worth is. That's what love is. And I don't have to be concerned with what everyone else is thinking. God can take care of that. And so she said that they went to that high school football game with their heads held high because they knew their son was on a path to healing and help and hope. And she didn't need to worry about what everyone else was thinking. And I really love that. And I know it can be difficult when your child's not on that path and you still have to show up. But I just, it was something that I'll always remember that it's okay to show up and it's okay to show up as who you are right then in that moment. And you don't have to feel shame or judgment because of other people's choices. And that's where I think it's so important that as a parent, you feel really confident that you're doing everything you can. You are doing everything you can. You are teaching what you can. You are loving like you can. And that there are choices that are made by people that you can't control. And so the best thing you can do is show up and love and continue to press on and persevere even when times aren't great. And that eventually there will be a time when there's hope and healing and when it won't be so hard. But, you know, I, I know those, those rumors and that talk can last for a really long time, but understanding that we're just doing the very best that we can with what we know. And then we're continuing to learn more and try things and experiment the best we can. And then just having that confidence as, as mothers and as fathers that we're doing all we can and we are comfortable showing up that way. I feel impressed to just share really quickly. I knew I'd hit a very significant turning point in my own life with my son who was struggling. He hadn't been able to partake of the sacrament for almost a year because the bishop that we were working with in our ward was such a wonderful man, but he was a new bishop and he really felt strongly that my son needed to be clean for 12 straight weeks before he could pass the sacrament. And so for over a year, he sat and, oh, I just would feel so upset at the other boys thinking, don't any of them have any problems at all? You know, they never sit down. And I knew my son was so good at coming to church. And my husband said at one point, I can't believe he still goes to church. <laughs> I can't believe he keeps just coming to church. I would not have been that strong if I were was his age. I wouldn't have done that. And anyway, it was my husband saying that. And in such like a, I feel I just, I almost want to tell him to stay home. I feel so embarrassed for him. I feel so sad for him. Anyway, and that's when the spirit just bore witness to me of the things that you've been teaching us today, that I am so proud of my son being so obedient to just honesty, even when it's hard. And I'm so grateful that he is leaning into learning about the atonement of Jesus Christ. What, what could I want more than that, you know? What, what will bring him more success in his future? Getting to really know 
who Jesus Christ is in a weakness that really is very noticeable to lots of people, you know, and he would always just come right first, right off the bat, wouldn't even wait till after the sacrament was passed. You just come in and sit down with us. And so I just remember this huge kind of fighting mother heart place where I just thought I am going to be the most proud mother of all the mothers that my son is that kind of boy and that he's willing to stretch and sacrifice and be honest and do some suffering while he's, you know, being sanctified was pretty cool. So that's, that's such a beautiful experience. And I think it illustrates really well your shift from caring more about what other people are seeing to caring more about what's right for your son. Because I agree 100% that that experience that he had was powerful and his ability and his resilience inside of him to be able to say, this is worth it. It's worth coming. It's worth having people look at me. I remember one time, I will never forget. Someone was giving a talk in church when I was just newly married and she said, or he said, I can't remember who it was, but he said that when he couldn't take the sacrament for a short period of time, his mom put her arm around him and just said, I am so proud of you for taking the, the atonement of your savior seriously. And if you ever need anything, I'm here for you. And she didn't push and she didn't wonder. And he felt her, how proud she was of him because there's a million reasons and, and a million ways we can keep things a secret. And there's a million ways that we can pretend like we're someone that we're not, uh, but God knows who we are. And so when our kids are comfortable showing God who they are, I think that's the most important opportunity for healing and change and growth to come. And, and as parents, the more we can support our children showing up as who they are, I think we'll be able to put them on a path where they can understand that it's not, we don't care what other people think. Uh, parenting is not a social matter. It's a spiritual matter. And, and that concerns the one more than it concerns the 99. Wow. That's such a good thing for women to hear. Parenting is not a social matter. It's a spiritual matter. So good. Oh, well, Brooke, to close us out, if you wouldn't mind telling us what are some of the specific things that you have learned about who the Savior is and your message uh, of hope? Sure. One of the things that I have learned about who the Savior is, is that he is someone who wants all of us. And he wants us as we are. The woman with the issue of blood, when she came to the Savior, it said, and she told him all her truth. Mm. And as I read that, I just thought she was comfortable with who she was. And she was comfortable telling him all the heart and all of the heartache and all of the things maybe that she believed that maybe weren't true about herself, that she, she was okay saying that it was unfair what had happened to her. She told him all the truth. And I think that the more that we can open up to the savior and tell him all of our truth, not just, can you please help this child? Or can you please help this husband? But the more interested we are in having a relationship with him, of telling him our truth of what we're going through, of the heartache, that he will find ways to sucker us. And a lot of times it's not how we expect. And a lot of times it's through someone else. 
I remember just asking like if he could wave a magic wand and just change everything. Like I was so (laughs) tired of it. And instead he sent someone and then he, he wants all of us like moms included to feel loved and accepted by him. And the more I've realized that the more I've been able to accept and love myself and accept and love my kids and the young women that I work with and the kids in my neighborhood that drive me crazy sometimes. And, you know, the family members that are hard to get along with, he has been able to help me see them for who he sees them as. And it's, you know, as I'm, as I'm talking, sometimes it sounds like I have it all figured out and I am the same as everyone else where there's days where I'm like, yes, I've got this and days where I'm plummeting and thinking like, what went wrong? You know, what's wrong with me? How come, how come this is this way? But I do think that my baseline, as I've gotten to know and love and understand him, my baseline of the lows has gotten higher and my ability for resilience and then my ability for empathy has increased. And my desire to help others like love and own their story has been something that's powerful for me. And I feel like it's a way that Heavenly Father can use each of us to bring the Savior's message more closely to the earth and show more love and acceptance for who each of us are. And so that is something that I have learned over the past few years of, of hardship and that we have worth in our imperfect state and, and we don't have to wait to, for perfection or for healing, or even for repentance for us to have worth to him. Thank you. Oh, how appropriately titled is your book? Like just the title of it on a bookshelf, I would think, I think I need to look at that book. You know, I like me anyway, embracing imperfection, connection, and Christ. And I really think that's what you taught us in your beautiful words. I'm going to turn the time back over to you, April, to close just the top of the hour out, and then we'll go on with our Q&A with these sisters that can stay. Okay. Just really quickly. Thank you so much, Brooke, for being here for your awesome words. I took lots of notes and I thought, lucky me, I get to go back and listen to this again as we put it up on our podcast channel. So that'll be really fun. But thank you also to all the moms that are here. We'll be here for the next two weeks. Our Stay by the Tree webinar runs for three weeks. And so just letting you know, next week, we have Wes Smith, who is the co-host of the Eternal Warrior podcast. And then the following week, we have Julie and Greg Dunford. And Greg is a therapist here within Life Changing Services. Also, everybody is invited to attend our free eight-week mom power training session. It's just a free course open to all moms. You can register. Well, y'all are registered for Stay by the Tree because you're here, but I'm going to say it for the recording for those that aren't. Staybythetree.org or the mom power training is at mompowertraining.org. Also, just a reminder, Brooke's book is called I Like Me Anyway, Embracing Imperfection, Connection, and Christ, and you can find that on Amazon. Also, in the beginning, Karen mentioned her book. It's called Mama Trauma, Now What? And this is about finding hope when your child battles pornography or any other challenging issues. You can find lots of great truths and tools and hope in that book. That's also available on Amazon or on our website, motherswhoknow.org. And if you're struggling and you're feeling like, 
oh my gosh, I just need somebody to talk to and I don't have any idea what to do or where to go or whatever. Karen also offers complimentary meetings with moms. So if you need to know about that, just go to motherswhoknow.org or you can email us at motherswhoknow at lifechangingservices.org and we'll send you the link to that. And she sets aside lots of time during the week just to meet with moms. So I am going to turn the time back over to Brooke and let you guys ask some questions. I noticed that there are some already in the chat. So I'm going to go ahead and start, Brooke, with the first question. How do you feel strength by releasing control of every situation and relationship to our Savior and focus your energy building your renewed testimony around his example? And there's a follow-up. How would you personally describe your strength when you're really just surrendering? Hmm, That's a great question. I think as moms, it is hard to relinquish control. I was someone that really wanted to control because honestly, I have great ideas. And if everyone could just understand that and everyone would be so happy. It's funny. My cute 18 year old has said multiple times, like, kind of wish I would have listened to you. (laughs) And, but the thing that I have found really powerful, just the thought that's really powerful to me is their path is not my path. And the Lord has incredible things in store for them on their own path. And he has, they need to fill a specific role. And in order to do that, they need to go through the difficult things or the certain, they need to follow the path that is God's path for them. And so when I realized that even though I had great ideas and I probably had ways that they could have the least amount of difficulty in their life in mind, that that was not God's plan for my kids. And, and so to be able to let them, you know, use their agency in order to follow God's plan for them and to gain the experience that they need in order to help the people that will be in their lives in the future, <clears throat> helps me to be okay with things not going exactly as I would choose. <laughs> and I guess that relates to the other part of the question where realizing that God is in control. He is in control of the world and of the lives of my children and understanding that he too wants what is best for them even more than I do, but he has eternal perspective to see what that best is for them and being able to trust that. Thank you so much. I'm going to go ahead and just go on. There's a few more questions, so I'll just keep asking them. There is a grieving that you go through when your children choose out of things that are so central to your peace and purpose. What ways have you found to get past that grief to cheerfully do all things that lie in your power? And that's a quote from a scripture, but yeah, past that when your kids are making choices that you don't like, you know, I think that it takes some time. It really does. It takes some time. You have to shift, you know, what you thought your next reality was going to be. And One of the ways that gives me strength is to watch other women that are a few steps ahead, be able to embrace that with joy and purpose. I know there's a lot of people who, you know, they're, they're devastated that this isn't going to be part of their family or this won't be part of their family story. And, and I can definitely, you know, I remember feeling some of those feelings, but that there is still like a lot of joy and life to be had. And I try to remember that you know, parenting is a long-term game. And when I say long-term, I mean all the way until the end. We have so much time to become the people that we're supposed to be and as do our kids. And I think when we have a little bit more of an eternal perspective, 
yeah, maybe you're not able to do the large family home evening gatherings that you thought where everyone is bearing testimony and sharing their love of the savior together. And, and that is disappointing and it's okay to be disappointed about that, but it doesn't mean that that will never happen for you. And then just to find ways to enjoy what you have. I know that when kids feel love and respect, they can allow the parents to still do the things that bring them joy. And whether that means that they, you know, stay quiet or maybe even roll their eyes for a minute, that's okay. And you can still, as a parent, do the things that bring you joy. I realize that as much as we want everyone to be a part of everything, sometimes that just isn't part of our story. And so maybe instead you do small family home meetings with the grown kids that are excited about it. And maybe instead you take another family out to dinner and grow your relationship there. But I think there's a lot of joy to be had in relationships when we remove like what the ideal was and start embracing what our reality is. And I think as our kids feel that love and acceptance, I do think that there will be a time, whether it's now or in, you know, in the eternities where we're able to have the relationships that we always hoped we would, as long as we work for them while we're here. I love that. Thank you. One of the things you mentioned too, as you said, you know, it's good to see women who are steps ahead of you. So you can see hope, you can see a future. And, you know, that's one of the things that we do at Mothers Who Know that's so powerful in the group is that for the moms that are just coming on, that are just finding out things about their children that are struggling, they can see moms that are farther ahead. They can see that hope, or they can even see moms who Quite frankly, the kids are still making the same choices that they were six months ago, but the mom is okay and she's doing just fine. And I think that gives us the hope as moms too. So that's one of the reasons we have mothers who know and this stay by the tree group is so that moms can hear that. Yeah, we're all like this. We're all struggling. We might put on our pretty face when we go to church, but we're all like everybody else. We all have things going on. So Thanks so much for sharing. The next question, what ways have you found helpful to teach children to let go of what people think of them? Ways to build their self-esteem so that any behavior correction doesn't chisel, chisel at their self-esteem. You know, that is, I think that's something that comes with experience. And, you know, I like to be real and what people think of kids matters a lot to kids. And I wish it didn't. And I wish that there was like a magic formula where your kids were invincible when other people are either judgmental or unkind, but there really isn't. And so just having that consistent love at home and, and continued acceptance, I think the less, you know, kind of, it's hard for me to say judgment isn't something that they should necessarily feel from their parents, but we do have to correct and we do have to keep them in line and we do have to have boundaries and consequences. All of those things are super important for our kids to feel, but helping them have a safe space at home, helping them feel loved, helping them discover their own talents and gifts and really emphasizing those. And then also having them be really comfortable with their weaknesses. I know this isn't something that every family does, but our kids, we talk about their weaknesses because weaknesses aren't anything to be ashamed of. You know, one has a little less patience. One is often not emotional or giving, like when it comes to feelings and feedback, you know, I have one that has a really hard time being nice and, and those things are okay. And we just talk about, yeah, we all have weaknesses. I have weaknesses. Dad has weaknesses. We're all working on things and we don't shy away from those or feel embarrassed about them. Thanks. We've got a question. This is from someone who's read your book. She said, can you talk a little bit about being a stone catcher? 
Yeah, this is one of my favorite visuals. So in the book, I talk about the woman with the issue of blood. And then I talk for a minute about the woman who was taken in adultery. And I talk about Jesus stopping the stones, catching the stones for her. And I think it's important to remember that while many people are in difficult situations because they didn't choose to be, there's other people that are in difficult situations because they did choose to be. And those people still deserve the same love and help um, that Jesus gave this woman who was taken in adultery. So the idea of being a stone catcher is to catch the stones for people um, who may not be able to catch them for themselves. And this is us stopping the stones as they're being hurled at people, maybe that we love, or maybe people that we don't love. Um, Stopping the gossip, stopping the rumors, stopping the judgment so that these people get a chance for hope and healing and forgiveness on their own time. And I have some really beautiful stories in the book of people who were stone catchers for me and for other people and how it can literally change the life of the person who is in that difficult situation. And just a reminder for all of us to go about life as stone catchers instead of stone throwers. Thank you. Yeah, that's a great message. Rick, I just would love if you have a minute to share. You mentioned you have stories of people that were stone catchers for you. And can you share one of those stories briefly? Sure. This was a long time ago. I was in Target and my three-year-old was having a fit and my baby, I had him in a front pack and he was screaming and I was about ready to lose it. And this older woman came to me and um, just said, I love how you speak so kindly to your kids, even when they're giving you a hard time, you're just a wonderful mother. And instead of losing it, I was able to see myself the way this woman saw me. And I think it was just such a powerful example to me of what someone's like one minute of kindness. And this time, like I was hurling my own stones at myself and she caught the stones that I was hurling at me by just seeing my goodness in a really difficult time. And I think that we should never underestimate the power that we have towards other women by just sharing something that we love or admire about them. And we never know, you know, it was easy to see that I was about to lose it, but we can't always see that as, as people's kids get older and it's less visible, but that moms need that encouragement to know that they, they are doing things that um, make a difference. And even when they feel like they're failing. Brooke, you are so wise and just so well-spoken and you can just write so well too. One thing I really like about your book is like I can thumb through it and you've got highlighted text just right there with encouraging words and then the exercises at the back of each chapter. Can you tell maybe what your purpose was for that or why you decided to um, highlight those passages or you know those certain quotes and how it can help each of us? Yeah, sure. In the book, I just, sometimes when I'm reading, I wish I had a pen, but I don't. And so I wanted to be able to highlight the things that I really hoped people would hold on to and remember. And then at the end of each chapter, there are two questions for just introspection and reflection. And the reason I did this is because oftentimes when I'm reading a book that feels important to me, I love it. And then I put it down and I forget about it. (laughs) And I think I will never forget those things. And of course, I'm going to implement them into my life. And so I wanted to figure out a way where I could help women take the words and experiences that I'd written about 
and really use them to transform their own life and their own thought process. And so I'm hoping that kind of that last page of journaling in each chapter allows women to not just say, oh, that's nice that she, you know, doesn't judge people as much anymore. But I wanted them to say, okay, now how does this affect my own life? I wanted it to be a book that made people think, but then also gave them the opportunity to transform their own thoughts and their own life if they were willing. Thank you for sharing that. Looks like one other question. What is one thing you find yourself thinking about as you recognize your need to surrender situations to Christ? Mostly it's, it's knowing that he loves my kids and knows my kids better than I do. Even if it's a husband or if it's a family member that I'm trying to figure out, you know, relationships with, he knows them and he wants what's best for them as much as I do and more than I do. And so being able to put my trust in my faith in him and his plan and his timing has been really powerful and something that allows me to move forward, even when, you know, things aren't ideal. And even when I'm worried or fearful. And there are times that are more intense where it's harder to, you know, put that burden and still feel okay. And I also think it's okay for us to feel those things, to feel anxious and worried. And it's part of the human experience and something that we'll all have to go through, whether it's now or whether it's when we're 65 or, you know, whatever it is, we'll have to be able to feel those things and then be able to turn to him. Thank you. As we end here today, I just want to remind everybody that if you have somebody in your family that's struggling, especially a youth, please visit our website, lifechangingservices.org and check out our Sons of Helaman program and our Daughters of Light program. Life-Changing Services also offers help for the entire family, but really... I know personally that it's really hard sometimes to find help for our kids and to find people that we trust in programs that we know will be gospel centered also in addition to learning all of the therapeutic tools that they need to. So if that's a situation for you, please visit our website and check out our programs. I'll just let Karen and Brooke end us out with final thoughts. And then we'd love to have you all join us the next couple of weeks and also in mom power. Thanks, April. Brooke, there's one question I wished I would have had time to ask. You just mentioned how it takes so much courage and bravery to change, to decide to change. And it takes a lot of courage and bravery to watch someone else while they're deciding to choose to change or not. And there's a lot of personal effort that goes into the courage and bravery, whether we're changing us or watching someone else get to that point of wanting to change or not. And either way, it requires us to change. And so speak a little bit about what Satan does to try to keep us from progressing. What have you learned about this process and how invested Satan is at thwarting women, moms, change? I think sometimes we think that if if we have to change that, it means that we weren't a good person or that we were doing things wrong. And I think Satan likes to make us feel like that. Like, well, no, you don't need to change. Everyone else needs to change, you know, or something like that. And I think that the more open we are, this gospel is a gospel of change and growth. And the atonement is an atonement of change and growth. And if we ever get stuck in who we already are or thinking either that 
we can't change or that changing is, is weakness, is showing weakness, then I think that we can be stuck in someone that we won't be ultimately happy with. And so just doing our best, you know, we hear that the prophet repents every single day. And if he needs to do that, then we need to do that. Whether that's, you know, kneeling down or even just in our own thoughts or to our family members, just saying, you know, I've, I've gotten pretty good at being like, Hey, you know, I made a mistake here. Like I didn't do that. Right. And sometimes as a parent, it's hard to be willing to say that, but you know, we did things one way with my oldest and I always tell my younger kids we've learned, we've learned since then we're going to make some changes. We're going to do things differently. And so I think change is beautiful and exciting and something that we should all be working towards every day and, and never think that it's something either that can't happen or that shouldn't happen because this is just a gospel of growth and change. And we need to embrace that and then allow others um, to do the same, to not help, to not allow them to be stuck in who they always were, but to consistently look for their change and their growth and accept it. And sometimes I know it's hard because you accept it for a minute and then you're like, you know, oh, I'm sure they're going to go back to who they were, or, you know, I can't get excited about this yet because I don't believe that this person really is going to change. And actually that doesn't do anyone any good. So embrace and celebrate the change in yourself and in others. And it's a constant process. Wow. So good. You use the word allow several times. And I just think it's a hard thing to shift the way that we think about allowing our Savior's atonement to work in our life, you know, that it is about that very thing, accepting that, yeah, change is kind of exciting. The only reason I can is because I really have this Savior and champion that's fighting for me, that really, I think what a great message at the end here with Easter coming and celebrating what our Savior's done for us so that we can change. So... Thank you so much, Brooke, for being with us today. Thank we're you. just thrilled that you wrote this book. We're, we're thrilled that we're going to have this recorded and posted on our podcast channel. And we are thrilled that we know a really great book to give to all the women we like now. Thank you. <laughs> so good. Have a great rest of the day, everyone. Thanks again for coming. Love you all.